in the morning when you need the news that matters most. We have a constitutional right to publish this story. We are the fourth estate and we will hold the powerful accountable. You need the front page. Wait, what's the fourth estate? Us, the press. And everyone knows that? On the press box. Because I feel like people always say the fourth estate, but they don't actually know what it means. Well, I think everybody knows what it means. I thought the fourth estate was time. That's the fourth dimension. I thought the fourth estate was Georgia. With Graney and Bischoff. No, not state, a state. You thought I was saying we're the state of Georgia? Aaron Rodgers won the MVP award. That was announced last night. It is the fourth time Aaron Rodgers has won the MVP award. Uh, Danny, you're in the studio, so you get to try to answer these uh, MVP trivia questions. First off, who is the only player to have more MVPs than Aaron Rodgers? Peyton Manning. That is correct. He has five. Who was the last non-quarterback to win the MVP? Was it Donald? No, he did not. He won Defensive Player of the Year a lot, but has not won MVP. Adrian Peterson in 2012. We have not had a non-quarterback. It's a quarterback award. It is. It is. Can you name the only non-quarterback to win the MVP more than once? Uh, absolutely not. It's Jim Brown, who did it in the 50s and 60s. That is the only person, uh, the only non-quarterback, I should say, to win the MVP award more than one time. So Aaron Rodgers and one other fun fact for you. This from Josh Dubow. Aaron Rodgers, if he doesn't play for the Packers next year, would be the first MVP to play for a different team, right? I think there have been, a, I think Jim Brown and maybe one other have actually retired the year after they won the uh, MVP. But if Rodgers plays for another team, he'd be the first player to win the MVP and then immediately take his next snap for a different team. Interesting. That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. (laughs) This happened right after our show ended yesterday. But the 76ers did, in fact, trade for James Harden. Harden's going to Philadelphia. Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks going to Brooklyn. I think, A, it's interesting because both teams both teams did well in the standpoint that Ben Simmons wasn't playing for the 76ers. And they were able to trade him for something that can actually help them win a title. And I don't know if it's fair to say Harden was forcing his way out because it wasn't as toxic as it was in Houston, but it might have gotten there had they not traded him. Right. But conceivably, they salvaged what uh, could have been a bit bad situation by getting Ben Simmons, Seth Curry and two first round picks, right? Like whatever you think about Ben Simmons, he still has some value on an NBA court and you get two first round picks. Like there's, they, they got some value there. So I think the Nets did well. If we truly think Harden was forcing his way out. One thing, uh, Daryl Morey, tremendous job, mainly because I, and a lot of people made fun of him because he would be like, I'm not trading Simmons unless it's for a top 20 pick. And then he eventually at one point said, well, I traded for a top 40 player. Uh, If it's the right fit, he got a top 20 player. I mean, assuming Harden goes back to being James Harden, not what he's been for the last month or so. They got a top 20 player. I mean, James Harden absolutely can be the reason the Sixers are in the NBA finals this year, right? Like they absolutely can win the East now with Harden and the way Joel Embiid has been playing this year. So good job to Daryl Morey. 
Uh, all I want, though, is Brooklyn Philly in the playoffs. I do not care what round it is. I just, just, they can be like the three, six first round matchup. That's fine. They can be the Eastern conference finals. Just give me Brooklyn Philly in the playoffs and Ben Simmons playing. Cause that's still a question mark, but please give me them in the playoffs. Did you see one of the, one of the Sixers did like a little goodbye post. I think it was on either Twitter or Instagram and he included all the players except for yeah. Simmons, Seth Curry and Andre Drummond got one, but not Ben Simmons. I forgot which player did it too, but yes. What you do? You say bye. Ben Simmons wasn't on the team this year, I guess. So doesn't count. What do you think? Here was a fun detail from Yahoo. The Lakers tried to trade Russell Westbrook yesterday. They approached the Houston Rockets about a swap of Russell Westbrook for John Wall, but it did not happen before the trade deadline. Uh, and the reported reason is the Lakers would not include a first round pick. So Houston declined. They didn't just want Westbrook. They wanted a Westbrook and a first. Have two players ever been traded for each other multiple times? <laughs> and one of them for a completely different team than he was traded to for the other player. <laughs> Probably, but, I'm, but I'd be willing to bet it was like bench player that was thrown in to make the salaries work. Like, I don't think we've ever had the primary piece of a trade be the same two guys before. But, like, I'm sure there have been guys that have traded for each other that were like, ah, he was the Seth Curry of the Simmons-Harden trade. That's like, yeah, we had to make the salaries match, and this guy made enough money. But, yeah, no, that's a good point. But we now have John Wall just not playing in Houston. Uh, Could have ended up with the Lakers, although it's interesting. I guess it depends on what you think of the Lakers, but it's probably smart of them to not include a first-round pick because I think even if they get John Wall – that's still not a true contender in the West. Yeah, like it's I LeBron mean, in the playoffs. So like conceivably you, you have a shot. I don't know. I think a lot of LeBron, but I just think every time I've watched the Lakers, they've been broken and beaten. Is John wall worth Westbrook in a first? Well, getting rid of Westbrook might be worth giving up a first to be honest. So John wall would have just been the bonus if they had done that. So really the pick is just to get rid of yes. Westbrook, it's, not to actually get John wall. It's like when the lions and Rams traded golf and Stafford, that one of the first round picks was to get Stafford. The other first round pick was to get rid of golf and his contract. Right. But those are <laughs> golf and Stafford are two different quarterbacks. Whereas Westbrook and wall are kind of the same player. I'll still take John Wall. I'll take John Wall, who hasn't played basketball all year over Westbrook right now. He, You could tell me he literally hasn't practiced. Like, he's out of shape. And I'd be like, yeah, I'll take him. Eh, that'll be better for us. Even if he shows up to uh, shows up to the facility looking like how uh, Harden showed up this year? Yes, I'll take him fat. We'll take him fat. We'll get him in shape. The playoffs aren't for a couple months. We'll get him in shape. We'll be good to go. And listen, if he's fat, I can bench him, and he won't be taking shots at the head coach afterwards. Westbrook is out here being like, I can't figure out why I'm benched. Nobody will tell me. It's like, because you're shooting one for 10. You've been, you've been terrible. Yeah, great question. Yeah, again, great question. One other NBA story for you. The Mavericks traded Chris Stapps Porzingis to Washington. They got Spencer Dinwiddie in return. Um, I am Two things I'm curious on. One, is Chris Stapps Porzingis ever going to be useful to a contender? Like, uh, like it's very clear he's not ever going to be like a, you know, one top two option on a team that actually has a chance to win. But I'd be curious to see him as like, is he good enough to be the third best player on a title contender? 
uh, that'd be fun to see. I mean, he's tall and shoots. Like, it's it's a fun skill set that'd be fun to watch, but you're clearly not winning. So I'm curious sort of how his career ends up. The other part is the Mavericks, who they went and got Porzingis. Didn't work out for him. Now they have Spencer Dinwiddie. Are they ever going to have a team good enough to win a title with Luka? It feels like they should. It feels like with Luka, you should be able to build a title contender, but I... I I'm curious to see how the Mavericks actually play this out here, especially right now, because there's not... I mean, yes, the Suns blew out the Bucks last night, and the Warriors are good again, but it's not like... it's not. You don't look at the West and say, oh, we can't get as good as the Suns, right? It's not like there's a team you just can't catch. So I'm. it's interesting that, that I feel like the Mavericks should be better, or they should be doing a better job around Luka. Or maybe Luka's just not as good as I think he is, even though he had 51 last night. <laughs> I, I would say he's pretty good, <laughs> and I... I really hope that the Mavericks don't waste his career by not getting those pieces around him. Otherwise, they need to just do him a service and trade him and get a ton of picks. That's probably like as far as uh, what I'm afraid of, of young stars in the NBA. The main thing I'm afraid of is Zion Williamson never plays basketball again. Like, that might happen. But like guys like Luka, who we all view as like clearly really good. I want them to be titled. Like, I want... There's too many of them, though. That's the problem. Because I also am like, yeah, John Moran. I want him to be a title contender, too. There's too many of them. But, like, I want to see a lot of these guys play in meaningful postseason basketball, like Western Conference Finals, NBA Finals. I don't know if they, I don't know if they all get there. Happy to move on to the, to the next question here, Aaron. Important U.S. soccer talk. They're now ranked 13th in the world in the FIFA World Cup rankings. They are just behind Mexico. Mexico is 12th in the World Cup rankings. What's more important for the United States, though, is Canada's ranking. Canada came in at 33rd, which is an all-time high for Canada. Now, get ready for some confusing World Cup talk here. The reason that that's important for the U.S. is because Canada in the final three World Cup qualifying games, Canada can help the United States out by winning games. Uh, If Canada wins all their games, it would be a massive help to the United States. The problem is that Canada just needs one. I think they just need a draw, honestly. But if they win their first game of the next three, Canada has they're qualified for the World Cup. They don't have to play the other two games seriously. But the way the World Cup works based on the World Cup or the FIFA rankings, they break the teams up into four pots and then they draw the teams into groups for the World Cup. Two teams in pot one cannot be in the same group. Two teams in pot two cannot be in the same group and so on because they want to avoid having the best teams in the same group. They want to have the groups as balanced as possible. Right now, Canada is in group or would be in pot four if it happened right now. If they win their last three games, they have a shot to get into pot three. So even though if they win their first game, they're qualified for the World Cup, they don't have to win the next two. They still have motivation to play and win their next two, which would be a big help to the United States in qualifying for the World Cup. Also, if we beat Panama and get one draw from Mexico or Costa Rica, we're in. So we should handle it ourselves, but let's go. Let's go, Canada. What does it say about the team? They're 13th in the world, but yet they're struggling in the World Cup qualifiers. I wouldn't say struggling. We're like they, 90s. They were for a little bit. We're like, we're, the games haven't always been pretty, but we're like 97% to qualify. We're good. Not worried about it. That's what everyone said four years ago. That is exactly what everyone said four years ago. And then they lost to Trinidad and Tobago, which is still unbelievable. 
that they lost to Trinidad and Tobago. They'll be fine. All the, they play Panama in the second game of the next window in March. That's the most important. If they lose that one, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. But if they beat Panama, that eliminates Panama. And the only thing that can catch them with Costa Rica winning all three games next window, which I think has happened one time in the history of World Cup qualifying. So beating Panama is pretty much all that's going to matter. All they're going to need to do to actually get to the World Cup. It's going to be very strange sitting down eating my turkey and my stuffing and turning on a World Cup game this year. Oh, it's going to be, well, it'd actually be, yeah, well, will it be over Thanksgiving Day? Yeah, well, starts, I don't know. It starts very late November. It might miss Thanksgiving, but. Well, I was actually looking at it. Apparently, it starts a lot earlier. It's like the 20th or the 21st okay. of November, and it goes until mid-December. Yeah, it goes into December. It's going to be fun. We're gonna, I know the World Cup final is on a Sunday right before it'll be. you'll get to watch the World Cup final and then NFL games. All right, coming up next. We find Ed Graney. It's the Press Box on ESPN 1100 and 100.9 FM. Joining us, uh, are you on a bus live from a shuttle maybe, Ed Graney? Not in a shuttle just yet. Oh, you haven't gotten on decided the shuttle. I decided I'd join you before jumping on one. Oh, you could have gotten on one. We could have been live from the shuttle. Yeah, that would have been something. People would have enjoyed that. <laughs> we absolutely would have gotten you saying hello again. Oh, yes, the people on the shuttle would have really enjoyed all that. <laughs> all right. You wrote about this, and we talked about it earlier in the week on the show. But uh, what do you think of like Matt Stafford and the Rams going to the Super Bowl and how that relates or compares to who Derek Carr is and what the Raiders could do? Well, I mean... I don't. I look. It's a really long shot. Obviously, if he moved, if he was moved and go to the Super Bowl, it's a long shot ever get to the Super Bowl. But I just think they have different options with Derek Carr to move forward with him, and I don't know which one they're going to choose. I think they probably have somewhat of a good idea they're going to choose. So I put some options out there. You could obviously move them and try to get you know a haul back in terms of I don't know if, if they would get what the, the Rams got, especially two ones, a third, and a quarterback back. I don't know if they could do that, but I'd like to know what he's worth on the market. And the other option I put out there is, you know, you could extend them for like three years and see the first year how it goes. Because if that's the case, let's say it like bombs um, and they don't get along with him or he with them, whichever, you could probably move them and a team would like take on a pretty friendly cap hit or a friendly contract. If you don't, if you don't do that, you just let them play out the year. You know, I guess you could franchise tag them. Um, but again, if you franchise tag him, you're kind of essentially paying him what you pay on, a, on an extension if the extension was good money. So there's a lot of things to do. I think they're going to save the franchise tag for Max Crosby anyway. Um, but again, I, I think there's a lot of things to do with him, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I, I'm fascinated to see what they're going to do with him. I, I don't think it's going to be just play out the year. Um, no one would like he, – he wouldn't like that. And I mean, they could force him to do it, obviously, but I don't think they want to do that. It's and we'll probably get into this uh, after the Super Bowl into the off season until there's actually some sort of uh, final decision on Carr. But do you put any stock into the idea that McDaniel's and Ziggler coming in, maybe they don't want to tie themselves directly to Derek Carr by giving him that extension? Oh, I think there's every chance of that. Sure, um, but again, I'd say on the other side, if, and when I say extension, like I'm thinking like three years, like. You give him a hundred million, and would that be average out to thirty something? He'd probably he'd probably be guaranteed what the first year thirty, and then at the end of the year, if it's just not working out, you could probably move him. And if you're another team, you know it's kind of a friendly contract to take on if you only have him for two years. It's kind of like what Stanford Stafford had twenty seven million, I think, left for two years, 
I'm not saying Derek Carr is Stafford in terms of leading a team to the Super Bowl. I don't know. I mean, I, we don't even know where he'd be traded. Um, I think that they knew enough about Derek Carr when they took the job to have at least an initial feeling about him because we were at that press conference, and they were act specifically about the extension, and Dave Ziegler backed off of that. So maybe at that point they already had an idea what they were going to do with him. I don't know. I mean, they, I, they hadn't met him yet. If they said that, they hadn't been face-to-face with him yet. I know the agent's been all over them. of like, what are you going to do with this guy? Are you going to extend him or not? So, yeah, I mean, I think there's every chance that they knew going in whether they liked him or not. I, I can't believe McDaniels didn't know everything about him, his quarterback before he took the job. I just don't believe that. All right, we need an important update. Did you ever walk up the hill to Jimmy Jones? I did one time. Oh, how was that? Yeah, was it time. worth it? Worth the walk? Well, the turkey's a nice sandwich. Uh, you know, <laughs> stay with the turkey, stay a little healthy. So, uh, yeah, went up the hill, um, got the Jimmy John's, came back, and it was, it was a nice, nice, nice meal. Uh, it was still cold in Radio Row yesterday? Yeah, it's 100 degrees outside and 30 inside. So <laughs> it changes when you go inside. You have to bring a jacket if you're going to go to Radio Row. There's no question about that. But when you go outside, you kind of shed the jacket. So, um, LA's hot outside today. Uh, gonna go over to UCLA where the Bengals are. First time we see people face to face. Supposed to be about 82 over UCLA. Um, so that's a little warm. Um, but I'm hearing it's a little warm in Vegas also for the next several days. So maybe it's, uh, maybe it's uh, just down the West. It's kind of warm. Uh, I asked you this on Wednesday, uh, but you didn't really have a good answer. Is anybody mad at anybody yet? You, Heidi, Adam, who's, who's been, who's done the worst thing so far? The worst thing. Boy, that's that's it. Well, not Heidi because she just got here, so I can't blame Heidi for anything. She just got here like late last uh, yesterday or the day before. I mean, she she just got her into town recently. Um, Adam has been doing nothing but have his head down and working doing interviews. I can't I can't say anything for him. Vinny's working and doing his show. No, no one's really gotten mad at each other. I don't think. So I mean, it's I, you. Everybody's mad at you, is what you're saying? Probably, probably they're <laughs> mad at me, and I don't know why because they, you know, I mean, I do some stuff on Radio Row, and then go upstairs and write. So I, they barely see me. So I don't know why they'd be mad at me. All right. Who's winning? Oh, is this prediction time? Yeah, go for it. Rams, 24-17. Low scoring game. Yeah. Um, which, again, obviously is going to be 42-35 to 35 now. <laughs> Uh, so, because I'm very, very bad at these things. <laughs> what, are the, um, what are the chances that we have a blowout? That's my main concern, just from an entertainment standpoint, that, like, well, the Bengals just do, fall apart. Well, the Rams, I think. Yeah, I do, I too. And I don't think the Bengals could blow them out. So, I think the Bengals are good enough to where they wouldn't get blown out, right? I mean, you know, the offensive line, I mean, I guess if they give Aaron, if, if Aaron Donald's mad, he finished third in the, in the uh, defensive player of the year voting, maybe he could have a huge game, which the three votes on him, I think is really kind of preposterous. Um, but I guess if the offensive line just, you know, did what they did against Tennessee and he's, he, he wreaks havoc, then it could be a blowout. That's, I just don't, I, th- I don't think it'll be a blowout. That's my main concern that the offensive line for Cincinnati finally like actually catches up to them. And, you know, they don't survive a nine sack game or they don't survive burrow dancing around the pocket under pressure the entire time. Because right. I mean, this is the best uh, defensive line they'll have faced in the postseason, but 
they've won every game so far with that problem. It was a problem in the regular season too. They still managed to win their division. So I, I think ultimately the Bengals are good enough that it's going to be close and, and by close, they might still lose by 10 or something, but right. at least there's, you know, eight minutes to go in the game. We'll, we're thinking, Oh, Cincinnati scores, gets a stop and then they'll have a chance to tie it or win it. I think that's what happens here, but I am a little fearful that we might get that uh, Seattle Denver Super Bowl again, where it's, you know, 40 to eight and we're looking around saying, yikes, this is no fun for three hours. I'd like to be the mattress Mac guy. You've read about him. I think he's got, I think he's got a total of nine or 10 million on the money line with the Bengals. I'd like to have enough money to be able to do that. (laughs) Doesn't he? Okay. I know he's from Houston. I know during baseball seasons, he will do a promo. That's like, if the Astros win the world series, you, you get your mattress for free. Like right, if you right. bought it during the season, you get it for free, but then he goes and bets massive amounts on the Astros to win the world series. So yeah. It, so it's ultimately like a, a, there's no net gain or net loss for him. It's just free publicity at the end of the day. Cause either the Astros win and he gives a bunch of free mattresses, but wins his bet or the Astros lose. And he lost his bet, but doesn't give any free mattresses. I, does he do that for the Super Bowl, or is he just out here like I, I got he's five probably million got to things going for everything? I, I can't believe he's betting nine or ten million on the money line for the underdog. If in fact he's not doing something on the other end, I mean, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Are you hedging nine million? I'm not sure about that, but there's probably. I mean, he probably could. He, you know, he's, he bets everything. He bet the uh, college football championship. He bets World Series. He bets Super Bowls. So yeah, I think he must have a deal with the mattresses that he get, that he makes some back off it, or or he's or you know what we all went in the wrong business and should have sold mattresses. I was going to say like he's got that much money and he's not getting anything back on the end. Good for him. Yeah, like these mattresses sound more profitable than my chickens. Oh, absolutely. There's no question about that. <laughs> should have gone in the mattress business. We had a bad day of racing yesterday, Ed. Oh no. We uh, we lost a hundred dollars racing chickens yesterday. Oh, wasn't good. A bad day. Wasn't good. We. Uh, gain two hundred dollars the day before, though. So we're still we're still doing well. You're still up on the chicken. Yeah, yeah. We we had a very good day two days ago, but yesterday was brutal for us. Did not end well. Like the Golden Knights, they had a nice game and then they got blown yeah, out. Yeah, it happens. It happens. And now they don't play for a while. And now Mark yeah. Stone, look at that mysterious injury. Yeah, hello Kucherov, popping up at the right time. All right, yeah. Ed. Yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, okay, buddy. Get on your shuttle. We will. Uh, All right. We'll see you next week. I'll see you on Tuesday, buddy. All right. See you, Ed. See you. Bye. So there is Ed Graney live from Los Angeles. Unfortunately, not on a shuttle. I, he texted me saying that he was on a shuttle or getting on a shuttle and to just call him. I was hoping he was actually going to be on a shuttle. I wanted to hear the noise in the background. I wanted people to be mad at Ed Graney for doing a radio interview while on a shuttle. That would have been phenomenal content. And also we would have lost him as he drove through Los Angeles, which is always the best when Ed Graney can't hear us anymore. And he just starts yelling at us that he can't hear us anymore. All right. Coming up next, we are going to hear from Andrew Siciliano. He's the host of direct TV's red zone, the best channel that you can watch on Sundays. So stick around. Andrew Siciliano coming up next. It's the press box on ESPN 1100 and 100.9 FM. Earlier, we caught up with Andrew Siciliano. He is the host of Red Zone on DirecTV. Talk to him live from Radio Row. We go back to Radio Row, where it is the host of everybody's favorite show on Sundays, the Red Zone channel, Andrew Siciliano. Andrew, how are you today? Good, Tyler. What's going on, man? It is, it is a good day here in Las Vegas. Um, 
I do want to start with this. This is the most important question we've been asking everybody for Super Bowl week. We're going to play Bleep Mary Kill with wide receivers in the Super Bowl. Oh, I thought you were going to ask me for tickets. No, no. I, that okay, is not good, my question good. for you. But okay. if we're playing Bleep Mary Kill with wide receivers, Odell Beckham, Jamar Chase, and Cooper Cup, where are you going? All right, I haven't played this really since I was in college, so let me think <laughs> about this. Um, uh, give me the three again. Odell Beckham, Cooper Cup, and Jamar Chase. Okay, uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to marry Cooper Cup. Um, full disclosure, I work for the Rams. Love the guy. Um, uh, I don't murder anybody, but I'm a Browns fan. I don't like the way it ended. So that's okay. that for Odell. Okay. That's enough of an answer, yes. And, I, and we'll give the other one to Jamar. How about that? Okay. That works. <laughs> that works. Um, okay. I do. I take Jamar Chase, and you can yeah. throw – Justin Jefferson into this equation as well. Sure. And like, you know, guys like Jalen Waddell and, and other wide receivers, have they ruined the expectation for rookie wide receivers? Or do you think they've now sort of set, hey, this is what we should expect when you draft a wide receiver in the first I, round? I think it's it's a little bit of both. You know, there are and we see with quarterbacks. A couple of years ago, you had all these rookie quarterbacks come in and and, and you see an instant Bam, you start winning games. And, and I think there's this assumption now that if you draft a quarterback, oh, wow, all of a sudden we're going to go to the playoffs. Like Washington is picking 11. I was just talking to people from their, from their group. Like, oh, we take a quarterback at 11. Like, I don't know that there's a quarterback in this draft that is going to turn your team around immediately. When you see the impact that Jamar Chase has, you say, well, if I'm taking a guy in the top five, I want that. So he has certainly raised the bar, but I do think expectations need to be tempered because not every player, regardless of position, can have that kind of impact. What he did, like the 266 Week 17 to beat the Chiefs when they were down, what, three times and they kept rallying back, that was spectacular. What did you make of uh, Jalen Ramsey earlier this week saying that he wants to shadow Jamar Chase. Should the Rams let him do that? Should they let him follow him everywhere around the field? So what I would say is that is is kind of what Jalen says every week. Um, you know, he, <laughs> no, seriously, he's always asked, hey, Jalen, do you want Debo this week? Jalen, do you want Devontae Adams this week? Jalen, do you want C.D. Lamb this week? And he always says the same thing. Of course I do. I'm a competitor. I want to be lined up against that guy. But that's not how this defense uses him. Uh, the Rams call it the star position kind of kind of brought in from with what Brandon Staley did last year where sometimes he's in the slot, sometimes he's a glorified linebacker, sometimes he's, you know, lined up against the best wide receiver and traveling. Um, so that's kind of the standard answer for Jalen. Uh, I know this, without him, they're not here. He is that good. He could take half the field away, and he was absolutely worth both of those first-round picks. So we've seen the Bengals. They, Joe Burrow gets sacked the most in the regular season. The offensive line isn't exactly any better in the postseason, but they're still here. They've managed to play yeah. around it. They've managed to make that weakness not be the end of their season. It, do you think it's as simple as that's the biggest matchup of this game and that'll probably decide this game is what Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and the rest of that defensive line can do to the offensive line and actually get to Joe Burrow enough? Yeah, it's a total mismatch, to be honest with you. It's a bad offensive line. I, I mean, the, I know the Bengals like to say, oh, work on some fundamentals. Uh, sure, that's the right to say. It's a bad offensive line. And they're lucky that they are here. Um, let me rephrase that. They're not lucky they're here. 
they're a very good team. They're lucky their quarterback is in one piece. He got <laughs> sacked nine times against the Titans. He actually got sacked 11 times. There were two that should have been called dead and were, and they didn't count. So he he's going to get hit. But he's also found a way to move around to the pocket. He's He's got those subtle movements where he almost got, like, eyes in the back of his head. He's going to make throws. The Rams are going to hit him, and they're going to hit him a lot. But he's going to be in the game in the fourth quarter because he always is. And at that point, you know what? Someone makes a play, and everything can change. On the Rams side of this, I think one of the interesting parts is their basically their team building, the way they've gone about mm-hmm. it, where first-round picks are irrelevant. We're going to trade and, and acquire whatever – we know good NFL player. We're going to go get him right now if he's available. What I'm fascinated is sort of, you know, we see it in the NFL. Teams try to copy other teams that have success. I almost expect somebody in the NFL to try to do, oh, we can do what the Rams did. But I, I think it's going to fail. Like, I feel like what the Rams did is is so, uh, you know, unique. It's almost like an outlier that you're not going to have a lot of success doing what they've done as far as building your roster up by trading away almost all your first-round picks. So you can do it. But you better have a great back end of the roster. So what Les Snead and the Rams have done, and Kevin Demoff and Tony Pastores in their front office, yes, they are overly aggressive. They like to gamble. They like to take chances. They also have more of an NBA mentality when it comes to trading away those future first-round picks. But what they also do is put an unbelievable amount of pressure on their scouting staff and their coaching staff to find and develop mid- and late-round talent. You're not here without Greg Gaines, a fourth-round pick, playing well. You're not here without Van Jefferson, a third-round pick, playing well. Without Traven Howard, a seventh-round pick, playing well. Without Troy Reeder, an undrafted free agent. Kendall Blanton, an undrafted free agent. Darius Williams, an undrafted free agent. Um, Dante Dion, an undrafted free agent. Uh, You're not here without getting the offensive line picks right. You know, those are all third, fourth, fifth-round picks. I think Havenstein might have been a two, or is he a three? You get my point. If you miss on those, then you can't go spend the ones to bring in that star power. So there's two sides to this. Yes, they trade away a lot of picks, but they have to nail their other ones. Uh, What do you think the biggest fear should be for the Rams. I mean, they're favorites to win this game, but like, if they do lose this, what do you think the the reason will be? If Jamar Chase goes for 266 like he did week 17 <laughs> against the Chiefs, if you have one of those where he just is unstoppable, and he, if Jamar Chase becomes inevitable, you know what I'm saying? Then yeah. they're in trouble. But if, if not, I like their chances. Uh, did you get a chance to see the NBA try out NBA crunch time a couple of weeks ago? I did not. Okay. They tried uh, a red zone style channel. but Oh, I heard basketball. about that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm curious. Uh, Jared Greenberg was the host there. If you were giving mm-hmm. advice to somebody hosting a <laughs> an attempt to show, hey, here's eight different games happening at once. Like, wh- what is the advice you try to give somebody doing that? Have a really good crew. <laughs> Um, I, I say this to people all the time. I could not do, we could not do what we do at DirecTV every Sunday. And we've now done it for 17 years without an unbelievable crew and a crew that has been together for a long time. You, you need, I mean, most of our crew has been together for at least 15 of those 17 years. And, and you just need to, 
you guys have to think with one brain. I can't watch ten games at once and 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 get every detail. So you you need those people, and you need to you need to be able to communicate with them, um, where they can get you information and know when to get you information and know how to read your hand signals. Um, you just need a really good crew, and it takes time. But um, we're flattered that they're doing it. That Major League Baseball is doing strike zone. That there's an ESPN goal line channel. Um, we did not invent America's short attention span, but we were happy to come around <laughs> when it when you know everyone started staring at their devices and you know had no more than five seconds of patience for anything on their screen. I when this first started, like when did you know? that this was going to be massive, that this was going to be oh, such man. a success. Because, like, it I watched some of – because Really, because I watched some of the NBA crunch time, and maybe it's because I've seen Red Zone, and it is awesome. But as soon as I watched it, I was like, this is how I want to watch basketball. Like, it's sure. great. We're going to bounce from game to game. So, But you're saying it took a few years before you realized that, that Red Zone was going to be as good as it is. Well, it wasn't the same show week year one. I mean, you, you kind of got to figure out how to do it. And you kind of got to figure out what people want and what's the best way to serve the fan. Um, and also, year one, I won't bore you with the contractual history of the networks here, but year one, we didn't have the rights in 2005 to show CBS Games Live. We could only show Fox Games Live year number one. Um, year number two, then we could bring in CBS Games, and it kind of started slowly developing into what it is now. But it used to be, well... We'd only go if there was a team, like, in the red zone or maybe inside the 30. Um, then it kind of morphed into, like, an instant action. Well, someone's going for it on fourth down. we got to go there, right? Um, there's one second left, and there's probably an end half Hail Mary. Let's go there. Um, and with social media and with Twitter, that's really when it came into what it is now because you realize people don't want to miss anything. Ever. They don't want to see something on tape. They don't want to know that it happened two minutes ago. They want to see it <laughs> when it happens. And I, I think once we figured that out, it became what it is now. So is is Red Zone every Sunday? Are you guys your biggest nemesis push notifications on cell phones? We try to beat it. <laughs> I mean, no, seriously, we don't, I don't. We're never we're never going to. I my goal is to never miss anything live. Obviously, that's not going to happen. But um we also feel that we now, you know, I, I work for both places. I, I work for NFL Network Monday through Friday, and I work at DirecTV for what we call the original Red Zone channel, the one on Sunday ticket. Um, I work for them on Sunday. And obviously there's NFL Red Zone that my uh, former college classmate Scott Hansen does for cable. Um, we at DirecTV have uh, all the games. So, like, you can JP, how are you? Um, you could always flip over, right? You could always flip over and watch the game. And, and that's the advantage that we think we, we have, where we can say, hey, we have these four games on the screen right now. But I can tell you that the Lions are in the red zone. And if you want to flip over to 708, we have that too. And I think that's how we super serve the fan and, and, and make sure that even if we're, we're going to miss something, we can tell you where to find it. Well, he is Andrew Siciliano of NFL Network and DirecTV's uh, Red Zone channel. Andrew, listen, we appreciate it. I, I appreciate the time this morning. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Let's do it soon. It's the Press Box on ESPN 1100 and 100.9 FM.
Tonight, 8 to 10, I'll be out at PT's Pub on Tropicana and Maryland for UNLV and Boise State. We've got a watch party. Come watch the Running Rebels on the road with ESPN Las Vegas, PT's Pub, Tropicana, and Maryland. You'll have a chance to win beer for a year from Miller Lite as well as a bunch of other great prizes. Now, UNLV plays Boise State tonight. Boise State is 9-1 and one in the Mountain West. Their only loss came on the road to Wyoming, who has suddenly become a legitimate contender in the conference. Those teams are both tied at 9-1 and one atop the Mountain West standings. Boise State has beaten Fresno State, Utah State, San Diego State, and they did get Wyoming in their home matchup there. They have beaten pretty much all the other top teams. They haven't played Colorado State yet, but they've beaten all the other good top teams in this conference. Uh, This is a very good team and could possibly be the toughest game on the schedule for UNLV. Uh, The interesting part here is that Boise State defensively is almost as good as San Diego State is. San Diego State this year still ranks number one in Ken Palm's defensive efficiency rank. Boise State is seventh in the entire country, right? So this is going to be a tough matchup for UNLV to actually score, and there's a chance this looks a lot like some of the games against San Diego State. Boise State this year, uh, a little bit better, uh, excuse me, offensively than San Diego State is, so that shouldn't be as big of an issue for this Boise state team, though they may be without one of their starters, Emmanuel Acott, Leon Rice said yesterday could miss today's game. So tough for UNLV Donovan Williams uh, was limited in practice yesterday. I'm not even going to try to guess as to what that means for Donovan Williams availability for tonight's game. He has in the last six games, he's missed uh, four of them, but it hasn't been four consecutive. He's played in between a lot of them. Uh, It hasn't been the most linear path for a player that is injured and trying to come back. Maybe Donovan Williams plays. Maybe he doesn't tonight. He's probably going to be an important key because UNLV is playing a very good defensive team and expecting Bryce Hamilton to continue this unbelievable streak of not only high volume scoring, but high efficiency scoring seems improbable, right? That seems like a bad way to go about it. They're going to need some secondary scoring from somewhere Donovan Williams is the best bet to do that but if he's not out there obviously he can't do that and that makes it a little bit of an issue going forward now a couple of things off uh Mike Carvalho tweeted this out Keyshawn Gilbert I did not see this live but Keyshawn Gilbert in UNLV's last game when they blew out Air Force Play at the basket, foul at the basket. Air Force player goes down on the ground. Royce Ham walks over to help pick, give the guy a hand to help him stand back up. And Keyshawn Gilbert walks over and slaps Royce Ham's hand away from the Air Force guy because he did not want Royce Ham to help the Air Force player get up. Uh, Keyshawn Gilbert was asked about this, and he said, it wasn't nothing personal. How I play. It's us against the world. I don't do that. Helping opponents up. Ain't nobody going to help us up when we're down. It's probably my favorite thing that's happened this entire season. Keyshawn Gilbert is a ton of fun to watch, right? His bad moments are bad, but his good moments are good and a lot of fun, right? He's the guy that's going to somehow force three turnovers in like the span of 90 seconds, right? He also might have three turnovers of his own in the span of 90 seconds, but it's going to be a fun 90 seconds, but he's incredible, right? And just that quote itself is phenomenal where you have all right. Royce ham is like a fifth year senior, right? This guy's been in college for a long time. 
Keyshawn Gilbert's playing his first year of college basketball. He's walking over and slapping Leroy's hands saying, no, no, don't help him up. He plays for the team. Keyshawn Gilbert's phenomenal. I hope he's really good because the, just the attitude and the fun of Keyshawn Gilbert. I, I hope he's good. I hope he's at UNLV for multiple years because he'll be a lot of fun to watch. One other thing on UNLV here. Thurka Sports has out odds for uh, conference tournaments uh, this week. UNLV comes in at 35 to 1 to win the Mountain West tournament. The seventh best odds. They come in behind San Diego State, Colorado State, Boise State, Utah State, Wyoming, and Fresno State. So you have the top six in the Mountain West uh, that have been very good and the top six that have a shot at the Mountain West tournament. Mountain West uh, at this point is probably getting three teams in at a minimum. Good chance to get four. Might even get five in. I still think there's going to be enough, you know, bad losses. UNLV beating these teams can be the reason they don't go to the NCAA tournament at the end of the day. And UNLV can beat some of these teams. So I, I still think there's going to be enough sort of losses to the to the middle of the Mountain West or bottom of the Mountain West to sort of eliminate some of these teams. But there's still six teams that have a shot uh, and the Mountain West could get maybe five teams in. UNLV has the best odds outside of that top six, though. Some of that might simply be that it's Circus Sports. It's in Las Vegas. They're going to put up UNLV just because they're going to put up UNLV. Also, it's at UNLV, even though that has not played a factor at all in like a decade. It does not. UNLV does not even. They don't even get to the championship game. Like they don't even win games. They're not supposed to win in the Mountain West tournament. They always lose to a better teams in the Mountain West tournament. So that hasn't mattered for a decade now, but I'm sure that factors in a little bit. But here's where I think UNLV, if you really wanted to bet on UNLV to win, here's what you have to have happen. Here's their path to winning the Mountain West tournament. Number one, Bryce Hamilton has to be what Bryce Hamilton has been for the last six, seven, eight games. He has been on an incredible tear where he's shooting above 40% from three in Mountain West play. The last six games or last seven games, he's at 48% from three, which is it's unbelievable, right? Like the guy that was one of his biggest weaknesses. Why can't Bryce Hamilton go to the NBA after last season? One of the biggest reasons he can't shoot, right? He's a career 30% three point shooter. He's shooting 48% over his last seven games. He's shooting 40% in mountain West play that it doesn't have to be that good. He doesn't have to shoot 48% in the mountain West tournament for them to win, but it's gotta be somewhere where he's having a tremendous mountain West tournament where he's having this type of run. That's number one. Number two is defensively. I've been talking about it this week. I don't know what to do with UNLV defensively because they have very good games and they have very bad games defensively. And normally speaking, your defense is a little bit more consistent or we expect it to be a little bit more consistent if you're a good defense. But this hasn't been. I mean, you just look at their last two games. They give up the fourth most points per possession in two decades two games ago to Utah state. And then they had their second best defensive game of the season in their most recent one against air force. Yes. Utah state is better than air force. That's obvious, but it shouldn't be that drastic of a swing where you're having such a terrible game. And then you have one of your best games of the season. And also they've played air force twice. They gave up over a point per possession. The first time they played air force and air force is terrible offensively. So I don't know how good they are defensively. If they UNLV is probably going to have to win four games in four days because they're not getting a top five seed. If they get four games of Bryce Hamilton being as good as he's been recently and four games of the good UNLV defense that exists, we've seen it multiple times. If they get four games of that, 
they can win the Mountain West Tournament. It's absolutely possible that UNLV can do that. And honestly, they only really need three because that first round matchup will be like New Mexico or Air Force, and they don't have to play their best to do it. Right now, because I think for the Mountain West Tournament, the first three teams get buys, right? Top five. Oh, top five teams. Yeah. Six through 11 play in the first round, and then one through five get a bye to the quarters. Okay, so then right now UNLV would get San Jose State right. first round. So, okay, game one, they don't have, Bryce Hamilton doesn't have to be awesome. The defense doesn't have to be awesome. You beat San Jose State. But at least three games in a row, Bryce Hamilton has to be awesome, and the defense has to be good. It's possible. It's just not likely to do it three times in a row. 